So we connect to the data, different systems, right? That's kind of the data perspective. Then we create insights. We get to the root cause, what, what's causing this. In this specific use case, it's easy. There's no invoice. So the customer, even if they want to, they can't pay. And then number three is execution. So how can we resolve this issue we discovered in the data and really help solving it by getting paid from the customer? You might have this problem. Maybe not. We have hundreds of use cases, but this might be one. Uh, maybe you pay your, your invoices twice, right? Who does that? I mean, I don't go to a restaurant, order a meal, and then I pay twice for it mm -hmm. in cash and maybe with my credit card. I wouldn't do that. But companies are regularly doing that. Hundreds of millions of dollars or euros are getting paid twice or three times. Welcome to the new Tech Lead Podcast. We help you to be more confident leaders by avoiding the traps of inexperience and gain perspectives from leaders in tech, unlike theoretical videos. I appreciate you are here today. Let us bring more leadership skills to the business. Let's roll the interview. Welcome to our today's episode. Today our topic is customer value expectation versus entitlement with Tobias. Hey Tobias, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much. So looking at our topic today, how do you define customer value? Well, that's a broad question. What's customer value? Um, I mean, currently I work for Salonis, so um, we focus on customer value and we like to measure it somehow. If you can't measure it, it doesn't exist, really. So the value we would like to bring to the table is really something companies see, ideally in their P&L, right? So we can easily measure it. We can prove that we have a return on investment. If you invest into Salonis, for instance, optimize your processes and really focus on that creation of value. That's how I would, at least today, define value. So you have products and solutions at the organization and you bring something across to your customers and what is it what they see as value or is it what you see as value because sometimes it is off that differs quite a bit yes and it depends on the company as well sometimes we have companies focusing on value and they see value where we don't see any value for instance getting transparency right about their end-to-end -end processes um, that's where they see the value. And then we ask them for measurement and they simply can't measure it, which is quite interesting. Um, and on the other hand, we have companies where we say, well, look, you have productivity increase or um, something where you just or need less people or you can automate things. And that is a value you can measure in time, right? Or cycle time reduction. And um, they do not agree with our definition. So it, it really depends on the situation. I would say it depends on the customer. And um, it can be one way around or the other. But in general, in the end, you need to agree with your customer what the value definition is, which is a very important question to ask and then define the precise answer to um, also determine how you can contribute to their value targets. Got it. Thank you so much. So when we look at expectation versus entitlement. What is expectation to you by definition? And then we move to the next question. Okay, so expectations. I think expectations is something um, 
which differs from entitlement. So you bring something to the table and then you can expect something. Um, or you pay somebody for something which you define and then you can expect to get the result you defined upfront. If I bring my car to the mechanic and I have a flat tire, I pay the mechanic, ask him to repair the tire, and then my expectation would be, well, the tire is not flat anymore, it is working. Um, so that would be what expectation is. If we now move away from expectation and get to the definition of entitlement, and we, we had a, we spent quite some time of, of defining for ourselves what it means, because it's such a big buzzword right now, specifically with True. earlier generations, so entitled, um, Generation Y, uh, what they expect, the beanbags, the very important or very um, prominent YouTube video of Simon Sinek explaining what's wrong with the generation. And now even the new generation um, hanging around a lot of times with glue or on, on demonstrations or something else. But besides all the activities linked to generations and in a broad sense, want to move away from that and speak rather about the general definition, it's really difficult. Like, what is entitlement for you? Yeah, well, it depends on perspective, but let me stick to the car example because that makes it probably pretty clear. Mm -hmm. If I bring my car to the mechanic, he repairs the tire, and then I come back and say, well, thank you for repairing my car. I would like to take it back, but I don't want to pay for it. I would say that is entitlement because somebody delivered something, gave something to me, but I didn't give anything in exchange. Right? I didn't pay that person, for instance. Mm -hmm. So. And I think that is the big difference, feeling entitled, because I am who I am. Mechanic is working for free, for, for me. Um, that would be something I can't really expect, right? Um, but I feel entitled because I'm just the person I am. I'm pretty nice um, to the mechanic, and that's why he should do it for free. Um, I think that is a good definition to have a clear um, yeah, perspective in regards to these two terms. So. Do you feel comfortable generalizing it by entitlement is something that you expect something from somebody or something happening without giving something back? Yeah, I think that's a good definition. Kind of a one-sided trade-off. Mm -hmm. So when I demand you become vegan, for example, this is my expectation, and I don't offer you anything in return, I just demand it from you, you would define that as entitlement? Well, you can demand whatever you like. I don't need to follow that demand, right? That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. But maybe we can transfer that to a customer situation because that's happening quite a bit. Mm, in I our, would love that. Yeah. In our area um, where, and now thinking about bringing a product to the table like Salona's execution management systems where we look into processes, right? And we improve things and we deliver value at the end. Mm -hmm. um, what would be expectation versus entitlement? And we see this all the time that customers say, well, Salonas, it's a startup still. Yes, we have over 2,000, almost 3,000 people, but it's still a smaller company. And we maybe a company size like a Siemens or Hitachi with 300,000 employees. Um, they say, well, you would like to get this gig. You would like to get this project. What can you do for us, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. It gets into the direction of entitlement, and then we start of um, a proof of concept, maybe for free, right? 
um, getting their data into the system, analyzing it, and then maybe also already delivering some value to them without getting anything in return. Um, and that is that is happening, um, especially in my role. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't get any money for, from the client, specifically for my um, value I deliver, for my advisory work. Um, so it is sometimes a very interesting discussion to say, well, look, you need to pay us for the value we deliver, for the work we deliver. Um, and um, yeah, I would say that that theme of feeling entitled um, is coming from like the size of a specific company, seeing us as a small player in the market and then um, them, like big players in the market, um, want to provide us a gig or a project. So that's something we see um, or I see specifically and um, yeah, which makes me think about is that the right way to deal with each other, right? You're on different levels mm -hmm. and you try to leverage that in a specific way. I, I love that example. So for me, what I was hearing is you're a young company, so people have certain expectations related to the tag of a young or not mature enough, whatever they, they put into it. And I would still, I'm still stuck with this entitlement. Like why, because you could say, okay, customer XYZ, your expectations are too high. When do expectations switch into an entitlement? Um, I, I feel for me, when you tell the story of you walk into a customer and you have a chat and then you say, okay, perfect. We can offer you a proof of concept uh, for free, free of charge or in any kind of relationship you are starting, um, I feel, okay, and I want this and this and this and this, uh, which are all fine that they demand it and it's kind of expectation setting and higher expectations that you what you would normally grant. And I feel the entitlement comes in because I am. So looking at the history of entitlement, um, a, a lot of blue blood, you would you would say in German, um, so so princes were entitled to become kings in the old age, and it comes with a role or a title you inherited. Um, so, what kind of entitlement do representatives of a company inherit that they have so high expectations towards you? Yeah, I'm thinking about that, um, and I th I think it's not a company issue it's it's a people issue right how do you recognize your specific company you're working for mm -hmm. and how do you recognize in this instance Salonis? i mean we are not a small company we have a 13 billion valuation a couple thousand people working within that company um based on an initial idea from the three th founders and now it's it's a relevant player in the market i mean um when you look into like gartner magic quadrant we are one of the leaders in that specific market, looking into process mining, execution management. So we're not a nobody, right? Who really needs to work with a huge collab um, collaboration. So um, I think what's what's very important to to see in that kind of entitlement situation to, and you said that, draw the line, right? Have a clear definition of, look, this is what we deliver. We have maybe a four week engagement this is the scope of it, we can deliver for free. But after that, we need to negotiate that, that the time, money and effort we put into this 
needs to get recognized. And that's very important to have a clear definition of that. Same with the value again, right? Um, to set expectations and not getting into the realm of entitlement and it, it accelerates in regards to expectations which are not, how to put that, realistic, I would say. Mm -hmm. I love that answer. And looking at your career, you also spent quite a lot of times in the US. True. And I'm very curious, um, how did you experience customer expectations change along your career, being long in the workforce, but also cultural-wise? Um, Germany compared to the US and all the other experiences you earned along your career? That is a good question. Um, let me look into the time perspective first. I think expectations in related to technology increased drastically. I mean, we see another revolution at the moment, AI, chat GPT, that's something which is truly accelerating the development of a specific technology, right? Which is amazing. I, I love it to see that. And um, I look back like 20 years when I started working in the workforce and um, saw a couple of those kind of revolutionary approaches when it comes like to analytics and computers and how we can process information and data. And with that, I would say the expectation needed to change as well, right? And it's still changing rapidly. Um, that's what I see when I look into like the time dimension. In regards to the US, yes, I've been in the US for the last six years, I'm now back in Germany. I think um, my time there was extremely fast with a lot of change. I mean, I, I came there with only four suitcases to San Francisco, airport arrived there. Um, with, with no job, with no real perspectives. I really started from scratch with my wife. And then that journey started. We moved around partially every two, three days, over 60 times across the, the, com, um, the, the country and um, saw a lot and um, worked for different companies and my own startup there. And what I saw compared to Germany or Europe specifically, it is everything is much quicker. They, they adopt technology much quicker. It's more short-term lived. Um, job security is completely different. There is essentially no job security. Mm -hmm. you, you get hired and you get fired pretty quickly. Um, there's not like um, a safe period of three months or anything like that, what we have in Germany. So that gives the, the whole work, culture and environment a drastic shift into being more agile. Um, short-term thinking um, and yeah that also creates a need on the other side to adopt technology much quicker to change much quicker because you don't simply don't have time right mm -hmm. to wait and see what is happening and I think that is a dramatic difference to like the European market um, where you have more security you can partially wait and see what is happening um, is it worth to invest into something um, or, or maybe wait a little bit and then in, invest into it other than just yeah, taking more risks, I would say. How does the triangle of customer expectations, entitlements or, or customer value, the expectations and entitlements um, changed? Like your view or your, your mindset around it? Because in this US sphere where everything is running so quickly, do you have time to talk about entitlement? 
because I'm, I'm sensing, hey, wait, 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 we don't have time to discuss these kind of things. Let's get it running, show you the value, and here we go. Move from there. It's a good question. I think I can't really, can't really answer that. Uh, because I never experienced any discussion about entitlement, to be honest, mm -hmm. there. Um, but on the other hand, I would say the expectations and with that direction into like entitlement is kind of the same, if not higher, right? When companies um, look into hiring somebody, of course, the expectations are super high, getting into that realm of um, entitlement. So from that perspective, if I compare the US with like EMEA, um, I can't really judge about that. Moving away from entitlement towards customer value, you said the cycle is much quicker. Yes. So you have to prove yourself way faster. True. Not only as an, an, an employee, because, yeah, <laughs> you're gone like after the two, two, two weeks cycle. Um, so you have to prove yourself towards the company you work for, but also to your customers. Otherwise, they move away and choose someone else. Um, how do you see the migration paths? In Germany, we are very risk averse, so we'd rather not switch because then a migration needs to happen or something else. How is the mindset related to these kind of decisions in the US? It might be more cost intensive to switch and to migrate to another solution, but hey, either it works or it doesn't, and if it doesn't, we, we move forward. And I feel the, there are parts in this kind of methodology which would be beneficial for typical, stereotypical German mindset of a company. But what's your experience like? Yeah, well, I mean, I worked in, in tech a lot, which is quick and agile um, per definition. So when I compare the US to Germany, I would say in the US, you have a bigger risk appetite in general um, and more pressure. And maybe that plays along. So when I think about my job security, I need to deliver results quickly. Otherwise, I get fired. Right. That's the kind of the mindset. So I need to do something and even if I make a mistake or maybe I misjudge a situation and bet on a horse or technology in that case, which does not work, at least I did something, right? And that is um, when I compare and I can just now add maybe the Japanese perspective to it because I work for Hitachi, um, which is kind of, or Hitachi Vantara, with it, which is the IT powerhouse of Hitachi they have even longer term perspectives. Um, so I would say US, you think like 12 months, Germany and, and Europe, you think maybe three years in, as an orientation, and then Japan, you think 10 years. Wow. So that brings a different perspective to the table. And you also think differently. So um, when we had a specific problem in the US and discussed that with Japan, they had a way broader focus. They ask questions like, well, um, if you need to optimize a specific process within the company, how would that interfere with other areas? While the US person was just focusing on that one single little process step even, or maybe process. Um, but also there, I would say US compared to Germany compared to the Japan, um, US would focus on maybe two, three process steps within one process. 
in Germany you would look more into a single process or maybe a, a process stream end to end, and then Japan you would look at the whole company. So that is that is different. That sets a different mindset and also gives you the capabilities to move quicker because your scope is small um, or the scope is huge and it takes time to plan for it, to act accordingly, to consider all moving um, moving variables. Um, so that's what I expect or what I experienced there. So more risk appetite driven by pressure or targets. And then also the perspective is a lot smaller and more precise, I'm not considering like the big picture. Thank you so much. Now, moving away from pinning you down towards these three parameters of value, expectation, entitlement, and getting into a company and the kind of expectations of starting starting in that company. Um, you need to understand the, the product, the solution you need to sell or work with, and, and we both work in tech. So getting getting to the to the bone of my question, where do you start if you have no idea? Because you start out with some kind of expectations. Um, but working with customers, and if you never worked with customers before, what's the path to customer value? Um, also a broad one. Um, how do I start? I think the best way always are two things. One, ask for advice, the customer, because then they feel recognized and they can just talk about what they would give you, what kind of advice would they give to you as an external person coming in and you would like to change something. And maybe they have good recommendations like, yeah, well, don't talk to that person or don't touch this process. Don't do this. Don't do that. Um, I hear that all the time and it's so valuable because then you know what you shouldn't do or you know what explicitly you should do <laughs> because there might be some hidden gems in there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's number one. Number two... To, to, to stop yes. you right there. Um, so you get to the customer and tell them this is your service, what you do. Um, you find gems in data right? and you optimize this data to a degree that it brings a beneficial result for that company. If it's reduced costs or increased in clarity, please walk me through if, if my definition is wrong. Maybe one specific example to um, really explain a little bit what Salonis does. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get kind of the full picture because we, we recently had some one customer focusing on, well, we helped them focusing on one specific problem. Um, and based on that problem, probably it gets, um, there is a better understanding about what we do. So um, we say, well, we have a use case. We would like to look into it um, when you ship goods to a customer and you forget to send an invoice. So you will never get paid for what you shipped. And we found over a hundred million in value in, for that specific use case. So essentially they shipped goods for a hundred million and more, but they forgot to send the invoice. Wow. And we discovered that. So the only action you need to take is create an invoice, send it to customer, and get paid. Mm -hmm. So um, which brings me back to like the process, how Salonis thinks. We connect to the data, different systems, right? That's kind of the data perspective. Then we create insights. We get to the root cause, what, what's causing this. 
in this specific use case, it's easy. There's no invoice. So the customer, even if they want to, they can't pay. And then number three is execution. So how can we resolve this issue we discovered in the data and really help solving it by getting paid from the customer? So when, when we started with that kind of example, coming into a customer say, look, you might have this problem. Maybe not. We have hundreds of use cases, but this might be one. Uh, maybe you pay your, your invoices twice, right? Who does that? I mean, I don't go to a restaurant, order a meal, and then I pay twice for it mm -hmm. in cash and maybe with my credit card. I wouldn't do that. But companies are regularly doing that. Hundreds of millions of dollars or euros are getting paid twice or three times, which is unbelievable, right? But it's a it, simple... It sounds ridiculous. Yes. Absolutely. So most of the time, companies don't believe in us. And we say, okay we can show you. Let us connect to the data, we analyze it, and then we can show it to you. Give us a couple of weeks. And most of the time it works. And they find a lot of value in that case, um, per definition. So how do we start that conversation? We would describe such kind of an example, would, would say, well, what, what do we need? And that, then ask the question, okay, what is your advice? How can we realize this with your team, with your company? What do we need? That's I love that. One I approach. Love that. And what, what comes to my mind is, okay, prove your customer value, prove your value to me, um, and then the expectation, but don't touch our primary processing. And in that case, if, if I'm drop shipping, I don't want you to set the whole process of customer selection, customer chooses a product, um, invoicing, and then we send it out. So if they kind of regulate what you process, uh, it limits your value output. So how do you balance the customer value on the one hand and the expectation of connectivity limitations they put on you because of their worries around risk that you screw up mm -hmm. some connection and then they're their database doesn't work anymore and they are not operative for two days or so. Yeah. Well, I mean, starting with like kind of the advice area, asking mm -hmm. them for advice, mm -hmm. you will probably hear like, yeah, don't touch our operative system. And Solonis is not doing that, right? If you say, well, you can stick to like the analytics and then we, we have a clear execution path. We don't write back to your system, so you don't want to do that. That's okay. We can create workarounds, right? Send an email or use a bot, UiPath, or automation, anywhere to get into the automation real, realm. But that brings me to the second perspective where I start asking questions like, okay, what is, what's your biggest pain point, right? Where should we focus on? Because you can't do everything at once. And you shouldn't, it takes way too much time. Um, but you can focus, and that brings me back to like very quick value generation, maybe US perspective, one process at a time. We can optimize one process at a time. And that is sufficient. That's okay, because you would get quick value, quick return on investment. And I think the customer is not limiting us if they see value. If we can prove once, twice, three times that we can deliver value quickly, they are more open with every single step along that value journey. So I would say that approach with those two simple questions that will guide you to an approach where you can quickly deliver value together with them. Wow. And it transitions a maybe um, interested lead into a very trusted partner.
in that sense. Because I remember you saved me X, Y, Z million of dollars exactly. or generated X, Y, Z million of dollars for me. Yep. And there's, yeah, open end. Right. And most of the time, what, and that's very unique, I think, to Salonas, is that we get into those conversations with an example. We also do a value assessment. We show them the potential they can potentially achieve across the whole organization. And then we start focusing, right? Proof point one, proof point two, proof point three. And that creates trust and opens up your mind, opens up in regards to system availability. So, um, and that's a good approach because you can also bundle resources and really, yeah, again, optimize one process at a time. Now going back, because I have this alarming entitlement buzzword coming up again <laughs> with your relationship getting better and better with the customer. How do you feel entitlement, maybe in your first discussion, changes over time from the mind of, oh, the customer was something, demanding something, not in, in the realm of expectations, rather in the realm of entitlements. And we don't go into the specifics right now. Um, and slowly the relationship changes into a, a profitable partnership. How do you feel this statement of or something stated by the customer you would categorize into entitlement changes over the time? Yeah, I've got one specific example I can think of where we came in, the customer felt entitled in regards to they knew everything about their processes. They knew exactly what use cases they would like to focus on. And we told them, well, that is probably not the best approach. We have over 4,000 implementations. Um, we did a lot of research. We know exactly what the low-hanging fruits are. So yeah, well, we don't want to look into this. We would like to focus on the hard ones. We know exactly what we want to do. Um, that didn't work, surprise. But um, we did something like a submarine use case with one of our standards, and we discovered a couple of million in value. And that was kind of a trigger point where the whole relationship changed. So they, they didn't felt entitled anymore. They didn't feel like we know everything better anymore. Um, they trusted in our perspective, in our advisory, in our recommendations, suddenly, because the value really accelerated that journey. Um, and that was, it was mind-blowing because we had executive attention suddenly. Um, it was just pressure before we couldn't deliver any value a couple of months and then suddenly with that intriguing approach to have the submarine coming up um, it, it helped and changed everything so what i'm hearing is the customer really had a coat of armor which said we we know everything this is what you you should do and when you delivered value it kind of vanished it became liquid and it couldn't protect themselves anymore and kind of this entitlement of we know everything went away because you proved customer value yeah and i really love that example and i mean that's the normal reaction we get all the time when we present salonas and how we can optimize processes we always hear from executives well i can run my department by myself. I mean, everything is fine, right? You will not discover anything weird, any value potential. But then when we look into it, and we have kind of prescriptive um, value or use cases, the value journey, um, we can suggest like 10 use cases 
Um, and my just my perspective on that is listen to us. We did that so many times. We have some experience here. Um, you can try it, right? Uh, maybe you have some ideas, but at least try some of our ideas as well. Love what you say. I want to align and and really focus on the on the trying part because you can transcend this to salespeople. Hey, look on the quick fix. What kind of things can you offer to really show and create customer value fast that you really start to build a trusting relationship with your customers or partnerships. But then on the other hand, also um, to new leaders or new hires. Hey, what should I do? Where to start? It's really choose something where you can create value quickly and then move from there. Because otherwise, it's also internally, I feel there's also a lot of entitlement. This is my work. Don't, don't look at it. I, I handle it the right way when it comes to leadership and member of a team, relationships and others. Yeah, and mistake culture, right? That's another perspective on that. I mean, if, if we come in into companies and we discover something, it also depends on how it gets recognized from the executives. Mm -hmm. Is it a mistake? Do, do they fire somebody? I just think about examples in the US. Yeah. Um, or do they say, amazing, we found something we can improve more like the Japanese perspective, mm -hmm. um, where they constantly want to improve processes and really trigger people to think about it, right? Um, where have I done a mistake? What can I do better? What can I change instead of blaming people? Hey, you did something wrong. So um, for, for somebody joining in a company, I think it's important to understand that kind of cultural, um, cultural um, environment to act accordingly really, to, to sell the story in the right way. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Got it. Now, looking at all the topics we covered today, we started out Quite with, a bit. With, with the explanation of customer value, expectation and entitlement. Um, you gave us a quick detour of your career, the cultural you experienced, the German culture, the US culture and the Japanese culture as like an Asian example. Um, we went off into your customer cases where you first interfered with sort of a blockade of customer expectations also refined as an entitlement and that it softened with you presenting value or a quick win with a, with a little submarine along your project with the customer and then we moved into the culture. How would you like to finish our episode for today? Maybe let's finish it with an outlook because so many things are happening. Um, and I am so curious what will happen next. And I can just guess. Um, I know that at Salonis we develop our product constantly and we try to integrate as many things as possible. And what I imagine is in the future that we don't have this conversation anymore. Where can we find value? because we can simply show it with natural language processing where I just can ask my, my system, it connects automatically in the background to all my systems, gives me an answer like, well, I found um, 18 million in duplicates payments. Do you want me to fix this? And I say, yes, of course I would like to fix this. That would be probably like the, the first big next step. And then afterwards I think about a self-thinking really 
artificial intelligence system which can fix inefficiencies along the way. And I would love to see Salonis in that space, where we just have a plug and play system and it fixes those inefficiencies automatically with nobody touching anything. Wow. Thanks so much for joining today. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the New Tech Lead podcast. This interview was presented to you by Marvin and the New Tech Lead production team. Special thanks to our guest and interview partner. Follow us for more podcasts, check us out on LinkedIn, or visit our website, newtechlead.com. Happy learning and leading. Cheers.